how did this get so far? How did this grab a hold of me? And there's thousands, thousands of stories like this. I said last week, I said, we have got to step back, regardless of how conservative you are on this issue, you just say, you know, I, I, I don't believe an ounce of alcohol, and praise God for your stance on that, and the ones on this side, it's like, I believe in moderation, and the other ones, it's my body, I'll do what I want. But we can't deny the effects that this is having on our culture. Last week, I probably took five minutes and just read stats statistics of our nation, the war, we could go into the world and talk about how devastating this is. It's huge. It's one of the leading causes of death, one of the leading causes that leads to suicide and rape and all these other things. It's, it's just affects every aspect of our life. And then when pastors get up to talk about it, it's like, I don't want you mentioning that. Well, we need to talk about it because it's a big issue. So we, we, we need to have some honest conversations. And when I said, I want to provoke you to think Provoke you of what the Bible says. We talked about the confusion of that. And I'm not going back into this about how people point to Scripture and say, Aha, there it says it in Scripture. And then we realize that in the Bible, the word wine is interpreted so many different things that it's used different ways. And so people take one word and take it out of context and justify and use it different ways. So, man, we could go all day long talking about, is that talking about just the, the vine, the grape, the busted grape? fermentation, intoxication, or drunkenness. There's all these different phases. And so we're there trying to put our finger on and say, all oh, this been this and this. And a lot of them means the different things. And so we try to explain how sometimes we just get confused when we do that. So I said, let's just ask us questions according to what does the Bible say. So I put this on the table. I had a table. I literally went through and I said, let's put everything on the table. Because a lot of times we don't want to do that. Uh, whether it is uh, vaping, smoking, drugs, marijuana, overeating, caffeine, carbs. You sit there and say, are you going to preach against carbs this morning? I'm in a Baptist church. I know better than to do that. (laughs) I want to keep my job, you know. But I'm joking with that. But I'm serious. As Christians, we should put anything on the table and say, is this good for me? What is this doing to me? Is it helping me? And you sit there and say, I don't want to talk about it. That's why we're in such a mess. Because we're not willing to talk about it. Question number one, does it destroy or hurt my body? The Bible says that we should not do anything that destroys the temple of God. You don't belong to you. belong to God. Does it destroy your body? You take a label of something and says, this destroys your body. You should probably put it back down. No, actually, you should put it back down. Regardless of what it is. And I, I mean, there, there's warnings about that. So here, here was question number two. Does it build up or tear down life, family, and culture? Because the Bible says that what the Lord has given us is for edification. You know what that means? God builds us up constantly. You're never going to follow the word of God and find destruction at the end of it. You will never follow God's word and find destruction at the end of it. Never. Ever. Everything that God does. He even said every good gift and perfect gift is from above. What God gives us is good remind you of that as we go through this. Does the Bible warn against it? We have, look upon the wine when it is red, and it describes the fermentation or the intoxication level of it, when it gives its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. It says, let me tell you, if you're going to pick that up and drink it, this is what you need to know. At last, it biteth like a serpent and singeth like an adder, which is another word for a serpent. Literally, it's poisonous. You say, I didn't mean to drink that much. Well, that's because you picked up the snake and it bit you, and you didn't think it was going to bite you. That's what happens. 
So we ask the question, why does the Bible warn against it? Why does the Bible warn against this? And many other things that the Bible, and we talked about some of those two weeks ago. We need to look at that. And all these stories that we look at, you know, of, if we went around the room and said, tell me a story about how alcohol has affected you. They'd all start with these same things. I didn't think I'd lose control. I thought I had control. I didn't think it was going too far. It started off this way. Everybody has a story of how it started off. So here's question number four. Does it have the power to control you? And you're, you're probably on like page seven or whatever because this has last week's notes in it as well. So that when you look through that, does it have the power to control you? And so on, on page number five of your notes, if you want to follow along with that. So I'm going to read this passage and then we're going to pray together and we're going to dive into this issue. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, nor thieves nor covetous, or drunkards, or revilers, or extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. It's talking about our sins and what we used to be. We're talking about the darkness of what God saved us out of, saved us from what we used to be. And he even says, and such were some of you. I I preached on this a while back. Such were some of you. Man, I wish I could get that into your mind. (laughs) Okay, read it. This, 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 this. And then he goes, by the way, are you saved? You're no longer that anymore. Contrast, save, transition, no longer the same as what you were. Such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified. That literally means where God pulls you out and sets you someplace different, separated for the sake of God. You're justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God, which is so vital to this subject and so vital to this study today. Let's pray. God, help us. Give clarity, understanding. Lord, I don't want to preach my opinion. I don't want to put a slant on this. I don't want this to be about how I was raised or my preferences. Lord, I want the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts and minds today. Lord, I have no ability to convict anybody's hearts and minds, but you do. So Lord, help us to understand the message that you have behind all these verses today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Look at chapter 6, verse 12. He rolls right into this. And he says, all things are lawful unto me. And he were, they were talking about all these things that were controversial, okay? This is the church of Corinth. And so you have to take it in context. He's talking about all these things were controversial. And, and he's not saying I can go out and murder and that's lawful for me. He wasn't saying that in context. He said there's things that are controversial. For instance, like the alcohol issue. But not all things are expedient. Not all things are profitable. And then we, we could use a thousand illustrations when it comes to this. He says, but I, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Do you understand what he's saying? I will not let anything, and if I I could lay this out as Christians, understanding that if we went back to the idea of porn, if we went to the idea of any kind of substance abuse or whatever, it's a matter of relinquishing control of your life to something else. By the way, that's what addiction is. That's what drunkenness is. You sit there and say, I don't even remember that last night. I don't remember going that. I don't remember driving that way. I don't remember hitting you. I remember being with that girl. All these things that happen. It's a matter of you lost control. That should never be in a Christian's life. And that will be the main emphasis that I explain through this, of what we're going through this. See, the main debate that people have when it comes to this, in Christian circles especially, you can drink but don't get drunk. That is, so it's an idea of moderation versus getting drunk. And I, I think most people in here, if I was to say, how many of you say 
getting drunk is wrong. And we go all the way through the Bible of drunkenness and the sins. And even in this passage right here, where such were some of you, God saved us, God changed us. We'd all agree, amen, Pastor Tony, drunkenness is wrong. Let's establish that right there. To get drunk means to lose control, to allow something else to control you, whether you want to call it getting hammered, buzzed, under the influence, intoxicated, however you want to word it. But the Bible condemns this. And so we've got to understand why people end up drunk if they know that it's wrong. Because people start off with the idea of, I know my limits. I can hold my liquor. I I can drink responsible. All these different things. And so we've got to understand how this happens. So let's examine the word drunk. Let's just lay that out there. And I'm, I'm a logical person. If anybody knows me, that's, that's why I do illustrations all the time. I'm like, this plus this equals this. It's just, I'm, I'm just logical. I like things that just make sense. This issue to me is very confusing. Not, not in the respects of what the Bible says, but what people say or justify it to be. So what is drunk? If we're going to draw a line and label it sin, if we're all going to do that, well, then we've got to know where the line is. So I, I did this five years ago. So if you were here five years ago, you'll remember this. But if you weren't, s- stick with me on this. So we're going, to, we're going to draw a line and call this drunk. And I'm just, just going to play this game with everybody because it's, that's, that seems to be the thing that everybody does with this. So we're going to call that drunk. But I mean, obviously, to get to that point, we've got to start somewhere. And that's the other topic that we're talking about. We start over here with the first drink. So now we're talking about no drinking, social drinking, and somewhere in between here, the idea of sin. And everybody sit there and say that. Now, I'm going to play the devil's advocate with you a little bit. I'm just going to, I want, I want to spark your thinking. You guys ready to think with me, okay? If, if we're going to work in this arena right here, no Christian wants to sin, you know, I, 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 I'll, I'll be honest with this. I, I'm coming from the perspective that I've never drank in my life. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm coming and being honest with you to say it's not like God brought me out of an addiction. And I, I can speak from, you know, perspective of understanding this. I can't. I, I've never drank. I, I, but at the same time, I'm telling you guys this because I don't want to call something sin or wrong if it's not. Okay? And because I've heard that my whole life. I've heard preachers get up and preach on things and I'm like... You didn't use your Bible. Where's that in the Bible? I heard a pastor preach against sunglasses because all this I'm just weird stuff on my whole life. And I'm like, breeds confusion. I don't want to breed confusion. Man, I want to understand what the will of the Lord is. I want to I want to understand what is right. Give me what is right. Give me understanding of this. So let's dive into this. If you believe in this odd, odd idea of moderation, then, then let's take notes on this, if you, and you can help me afterwards, all right? So I'm going to ask you questions. If you have answers, I want to hear them. So no one wants an addiction. No one wants a DUI. No one wants to be associated with a long list of effects of alcohol. No one wants to do things that they can't remember, right? Nobody wants that. Just lay this out. It's crazy that nobody wants it, but the statistics are so staggering. So we've got to figure that out as well. Here's the thing. The Bible does not define the amount of alcohol that it takes in order to call someone drunk. I'm just going to lay that out there. The Bible does not, nowhere in Scripture, define the amount of alcohol that it takes to call anyone drunk. So now we have a problem. We have a big problem. Because we're talking about sin, and God's not drawing the line for it. So man does it. 
It's terrifying. What do you, what do you, I'm not drunk. That's not drunk. That's not true drunk. I'm fine. I can hold this. I'm different than you. It's the only sin that we have that's justified among Christians that's on a sliding scale. I'm just being honest. I'm just, we're talking logical here. So you're going to sit there and tell your kids, I'm going to teach them to drink but not get drunk. How do you do that? Can you, any, what's the line? I'm glad we're in this study because this is scary. Especially when we're not talking about a line, uh, uh, and I'm not trying to put one sin over another, but it's not the same thing as just telling a lie and getting into a car and killing a family. And I'm not trying to put one sin on them, but I'm saying the side effects or the consequences are far extreme. We're not just playing with anything when we're talking about this. We're talking about addictions that ruin families. We're talking about extreme problems that you don't get over. You're talking about losing control, memory loss, and regret on an extreme level. And yet, God never draws a line. Scary. So we must do it ourselves, okay? Since the Bible does not define how much alcohol that you have to consume in order to be drunk, we don't know what that is. The only thing that we can do is take in the science. Because God created science... So let's just play in this arena. So it all goes back to the BAC, which is the blood alcohol content. That is, in our culture today, the only measurable thing that we have that we go by usually is 0.08. Does anybody know what 0.08 is? It's the level that is where you cannot drive. You are driving under the influence or you're not in control enough of yourself to do that. Now here's the thing even with that scale of itself. By the way, it used to be 0.15 until the MAD campaign came out, which is the Mothers Against Drunk Driving in the 90s, where they changed it through a lot of uh, debate and everything that came through that, where they changed it to 0.08. So by the way, if we're just going by this, sin, if we're going to draw it there, it used to be here, and now it's here. That's good. That's good. Move that around. That's good. Not saying that you can... And however you define this, it's, 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 if, are you drunk in the fact that you can't walk? Are you drunk in the fact that you just can't drive a car? So now we have to figure out what is the BAC? How do you know how much is in you? Because for the thing is, the, the truth of the matter is, if you're going to take your first drink, I need to know because all alcohol is different. When it comes to what you're drinking, how do you, how do you measure the amount of alcohol in your body if you're going to do it this way? So you have to grab a calculator, and I'm not exaggerating. I'm going to illustrate this to you because we, we, we have to draw a line in here somewhere if we're not going to sin. It goes by age, gender, race, physical condition, weight, fitness level, the amount of food you consume before drinking, how quickly you consume the alcohol, the use of drugs and prescription medicines, and the volume of water present in the body at the time. Next, you also have to calculate if it's beer, wine, or shots, because it takes 12 ounces of beer to equal a half an ounce, five ounces of wine to equal a half an ounce, and at one and a half ounces of a shot of something of spirits to equal a half an ounce. You got it? Because you're teaching your kids to drink responsibly. This is the things that you have to do. I still don't get it. So we're trying to figure out if I'm going to pull out my phone or my calculator and make sure... Because it's not like you have a gauge, like your car, where, you know, like you're filling up and go, oh, I'll, I'll stop right there. That's $10 worth, right? You know, you, you don't have the gauge. It's not like your battery life, you know, where you can sit there and say, I'm at 32%. So if, let's just say if 0.08 is drunk, is 0.04 half drunk? 
If 0.08 is drunk and 0.04 is half drunk, are you half sinning? I'm just asking. Just wondering, because the, the logic we have to put into this just blows my mind. I'm like, wait a minute. Can you half sin with anything else? Let's just, I'm being sarcastic right now, so just hang with me, all right? <clears throat> if 0.08 is sin, would 0.079 be okay? What if you had 0.079 and you accidentally licked your beer can before you sat it down? but you were just trying not to waste. You say, you're just being stupid. No, I'm trying to figure this out. I, I, I honestly am. Here's another question that I have. If you don't know any of those statistics and you get into this arena, and I'm just, I'm, I'm being flat out honest, would you have to cross the line at least one time in order to know what you could actually handle with alcohol? Because if you say, I have no idea, and watch the videos on people that have never drank before. Do you know what they end up? Extremely sick. You know why? Because they have no idea what it's going to do to them because of all those factors. So a lot of people sit there and say, I know my limit. But a lot of times, you would actually have to break your limits at least once to know what it is. Thank you, Jesus. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God, God made it very clear. He said, let me tell you what I give you, and it's okay. There won't be variableness. It won't, you don't need a calculator to, to, to live righteously. You don't need to. Sin is sin with God. See, you say, none of this is an issue for me, Pastor, because I know even with what you said, I know my limits. I have a brain. I know what moderation is. You're going too far. You're being sarcastic. But then I've also wondered, why do people start off with the idea that I'm only going to have one drink? Now, this is your real stuff when it comes to this. You know, what, what, why, why do so many good people start off this way? Now, I'm not doing this bad. This is, this is just major headlines. So I'm not the type of guy that's going to get up and name people. But we've had major pastors that preach, preach, preach righteousness and end up crossing that line. Uh, a mega pastor, uh, Pastor Noble, is one of those guys. Hit headlines across our nation that he had to resign and go into rehab because of this. This is one that tore me up just lately. This absolutely tears me up because I like this guy, John Christ. I don't know how many of you guys realize this, but he is no longer touring right now because he's putting himself in rehab for sex addictions, sex addictions and adjacent to alcohol problems that he has. Read all the This isn't rumors or whatever. He said, how does that happen? He said, I've struggled with this for a very long time in a lot of areas. And he said, all these issues that he's had starts with alcohol and goes into these other things where I lose control and do stupid, stupid things. Now, by the way, I'm not getting up here bashing these because we all have sin. And I'll tell you, this broke my heart. It doesn't make me happy at all. I love that guy. He makes me laugh. He's hilarious. If you don't know who he is, he's a Christian comedian that travels around. And I've heard him live many, many times. How do you, how do you, how do you lose control? How, how do you lose control when you know better? That, that's the thing. How, how do these people that say, I know better, lose control? How many crazy mistakes and addictions and everything come into our lives when we know better? Science. This isn't some 
Baptist pastor up there giving his opinion. This is science. And from the very thing that he's talking about is what, from the very first drink, it goes to your brain, begins affected. That is why people crave a drink. It begins to shut down the ability to reason. That is why when you're stressed out, people say, I need a drink. Because their brain is craving for something to shut down the ability to deal with the problem that is at hand. You say that's the reason why people do it. They, they, they do it to loosen them up and become something they're not or to have fun or to engage in people or to forget about their problems or just, just because they had a stressful day, all of those things. But those very things that your brain is craving are the very thing that begins to take over your brain to hinder your ability to reason. And I'm going to tell you, as, as I grow into this, and, and we talk about this, you understand as for Christians... I am to be in complete control by the Holy Spirit of God every step that I have. I'm not just to walk and not be stupid. I'm to walk in wisdom. Do we get that? I'm not just talking about not falling over. I'm supposed to be on a complete other path where I'm walking in the wisdom and the knowledge of God constantly for my mind. The Bible says, he that hath no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. And the very thing that people want alcohol is for is to give up that, or to affect the spirit of their mind. That's, that's, this isn't my opinion. So when you pass the line, you relinquish the ability to make good decisions. And from what he was saying, it wasn't just this part. And that's where everybody says, I'm not going to get. From the very first drink is what he was saying. From the very first it goes straight to your mind and begins to tell you have more of that because of the happy feeling that it gives you. And people sit there and say, the happy feeling's what I want, but it's also the happy feeling that's controlling your brain to shut your brain down. That's why we do so many stupid things. I just want to drop in some things as we're doing this. The truth about God. God never leads us to t- temptation or fail. God never, ever, ever God has nothing to do with traps. We talk about somewhere in here is a trap where I drank too much. God has nothing to do with traps. If it is a trap, you won't find God anywhere near it. You know what the Bible says? The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know what that literally means? It keeps you from traps. It's the opposite of what we're talking about. It's not about losing control. It's about giving him control. He never encourages anything that will lead us to lose control. Through thy precepts, I get understanding. Do you understand? Through word of God and what God gives us, I don't lose understanding. I gain understanding. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not whether they stumble. They have no idea what's causing it. And then shalt thou in thy way safely, thy foot shall not stumble. God always gives clear direction, never confusion. It's what God does. But I want to close with this thought. It's probably the most important thought because I think for a lot of times we're just dealing with alcohol. We're dealing with what it does and the effects. I'm going to change the, turn the tables on you guys in, in, in a powerful way and understand what a powerful verse in the Bible says and how it gets so confused. But when we grab that verse, it makes everything else make sense. Here's my last question going with this. Whatever you're putting into your body, is it a cheap substitution for the Spirit of God? I want, I want this to grab you today. Is it a cheap substitution for the Spirit of God? See, this, this passage in Ephesians 5 goes so deep. This I say, then walk in the Spirit. 
I want you guys to understand the way that I am to walk. I am to walk in the Spirit, capital S, which literally means the Spirit of God who gains control of my life. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I don't ever have to worry about this. You guys understand that. If I'm walking in the Spirit of God, I never have to worry about the flesh or worried about it taking control in that aspect. For the flesh lusteth that against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would do. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Notice the if that he says in the middle of this. See, we're talking about alcohol shutting down the wisdom that God has given you. And let me tell you who's behind that is Satan all day long. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envy, murders, and drunkenness. If I could go back and explain all of this from the very beginning, the Spirit of God does not lead you to that list, but the Spirit of God leads me in all goodness in the things of God. So the main verse that goes along with this is Ephesians 5.17. Number one thing that's said about this, wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now I'm going to explain this verse to you because it is a comparison of what God was saying. Alcohol is a controlling agent. Look at what Lot did with her, their Lot daughters. Lot's daughters did with their dad. Look at what, how he lost control and all the sin that came from it. It's a controlling agent. Drunk means to give over control to something. God's desire and plan is to be filled with the Spirit of God, controlled by the Spirit. The Spirit of God gives love, joy, peace, temperance. You know what temperance is? Does anybody know? Control. God wants control. Let's pause on this. We'll go back because this is, this is all connected. I, I'm going to ask the question just because I have to squeeze this in here. Why do people drink? Now, I, I laid this out because you said, Pastor Tony, you already said that you don't drink. You've never drank, so you're not going to understand this. Good, good point. So let's just go to what people said. The reason that people drink, the number one, and I'm just taking this from the, the websites and everything, because of the effects that it has on you. You sit there and say, if it was just for hydration, it would be iced tea, Kool-Aid, or whatever, water, as opposed to that. But this is a separate category. This is something that you go out for an event, you buy for special occasions, or whatever. So we're not, we know that this is different. You buy it for the way that it affects you. Alcohol affects the pathways of the brain in such a way that it slows down pathways, which we just saw. This is why someone can say that I'm going to drown my sorrows in alcohol, because that's what it does. It, it, it numbs those aspects of your brain that are bringing stress, irritation, frustration, problems, headaches. So this is what happens. This is how drinks take over. Not by getting drunk, but the Bible, or, or this is talking about from the small amounts of alcohol to suppress the uh, thought patterns from the very beginning. It helps you to relax because it suppresses the thoughts that give you stress. That is how it helps you to relax. It helps the thoughts of Work, money, problems, kids, in-laws, whatever, slows it down. That's why people sit there and say, I need this. It becomes a band-aid. Rather than casting your cares upon the Lord, we found something else that we run to or turn to. Listen to this. Something else that we run to or turn to, to do what the Spirit of God was created to do for us. 
I want you guys to process this as we're going through this. It, it trains our brains. That is what is a habit. When our brains feel the paths or the, uh, the feelings of stress or frustration, the message center of our brain sends a message to our desire saying you need whatever. That's how people say I need heroin or I need a cigarette or I need caffeine or I need this. And when it takes over and all of a sudden those endorphins are screaming out that I want more of that to make me feel good, that's where a habit comes from. It's screaming. It's wanting more of whatever that is. By the way, I just said this. This is how somebody will have stress, and in the middle of their stressful moment, they say, I need a drink. They're legitimate about that because their brain is saying, the only way that I'm going to get through this without killing somebody is if something happens to my brain to shut this feeling down. So people ask, why do you drink? Here's the answers. Here's from the website of this. It says, drinking helps me deal with my problems. Number one answer. Drinking helps me deal with my problems. It says, people drink too much in order to escape their lives, forget their troubles, or drown their sorrows. Answer number two. Drinking helps me have a good time. For people who feel like they're too stressed out or shy or nervous around people, they will have a drink and it loosens them up for a social situation And they say that alcohol seems like the answer that helps men be who they are not of themselves. Answer number three, drinking makes me high or happy. I like the buzz because it makes me happy. Everybody wants to be happy. Does any of that jump out at you guys? Every bit of that is what God promised to give us through the Spirit of God. Every bit of it. Sing songs like, who am I? My identity is found in Jesus Christ. I'm more than conquerors through him that loved me. I'm able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ask or think. You know how? Because of the spirit of God that fills my life. When it comes to problems, the Bible is very clear that I'm to cast my care upon him for he cares for me. Not to drown it in alcohol, but to cast it on Jesus you see what we've done? Even in Christians that get to a problem, all of a sudden, everything that the Spirit of God has promised to be, you say, it makes me happy. Do you understand that the Spirit of God, that the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace? How about that word right there? The fact that God said with every, the, the Spirit of God coming in our life, that He gives us peace that passes all understanding. Everything that somebody turns to in a bottle it's everything that God promised to give us through his spirit. And the Bible said for Christians, you say, be not conformed to this world. Literally, don't think the way that they think. Don't go to what they go to. Don't act the way that they act. But be transformed. You know how? By the renewing of your mind. You know why you do that? That you can prove what is that good. Man, you should circle that. What is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Renew literally means God's programs your mind not to run to a bottle, but to run to him. You want to know the difference between Christians when I am on a situation in life where I don't know which way to go? And we sit there and we make these habits of, I need this, I need this, I need this. I, I'm, I want to twist the tables on this just a little bit. Because he says, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, but in, we're in an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You think about even why he put those two things into the same passage together. It's not a verse about alcohol. The word fill 
means to cram, to level up, to satisfy. Did you guys know that you cannot fill something? Listen to this. This is deep. You cannot fill something unless it is first empty. You get that? You cannot fill anything in your life or cram full or satisfy. And when God was saying in that passage about alcohol, he said, I literally want you to be filled, literally filled to the top and satisfied with the Spirit of God. Literally means he is everything that you need. Let me explain how this works. The only way we can do that is the first thing that he says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Literally, you've got to empty one out to get the other one filled. That's that's the way to be filled with me, to be consumed with me. That word literally means to be satisfied. Romans 13, 13, let us walk honestly in the days, not rioting in drunkenness, not, see what he's saying, not, but God always has another way, not in shambling and wantonness, not in strife and envy, all these things especially that come out of alcohol, but ye put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. No provision. I'm going to reverse this and just say, what if we did this differently? What if we did this differently? What if Christians, instead of craving a drink and running to a drink, started with Jesus? I know that sounds cliche of that, but I'm saying with everything that I would go to a drink for, if I start with Jesus, you guys listen, I'm never going to be led astray. That song that we sang at the, the, the choir sang, praise God for that, because I'll tell you, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in the path of, what does Jesus lead me in the path of what? Say it again, the path of what? That which is Right. If I am in the path of righteousness, and this is the confusing thing, if these are both the same and, and, and we're talking about, well, God allows it, we have this and be intoxicated or just a little buzzed or whatever. If I start with that, it will always lead to that. Eventually it takes over, it consumes and it has the problems or somewhere even close in this where it's confusion or did I go too far or whatever. But when I start with Jesus, can I make you a promise that everything that God gives us will never, ever, ever lead to sin but it's quite different. God bleeds us to peace and freedom. God bleeds us to victory. That whole song that they sang just a minute ago was all about that. God never leads us to stumble. God never leads us to hurt. God never leads you to an addiction. God never leads you to traps. God never leads you to regret. You'll never have to go to bed wondering where you were the, next, the day before. You'll never have to regret what you did with somebody. You don't, you don't, you, you're gonna find along this path, you're gonna find yourself edified closer to God, built up, satisfied, peace, love, joy, and identity in Jesus Christ. I don't have to fear messing up. I don't have to fear the wrong step. I don't have to fear going too far. I don't have to add it up to see if I'm doing wrong. Never. I can walk in wisdom and clarity and knowledge. I don't have to fear. That's what God has given me. we're Christians here. Let's take all this off the table. Not, not the Jesus part, but the alcohol part. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. And this hit me so hard. First Peter 5, eight talks about the battle that we are in, in the darkness, in the ruler of darkness. And he said these words, be sober. 
Christian, be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a wrong line walking about seeking whom he may devour. Do you know why he started with the words be sober? Because I'll tell you what, in here, when we're talking about the drinking and all that, Satan is tearing people to shreds. The only way you're going to be awake and alert enough to be able to handle what's coming after you is to be sober. I looked up that word sober. Here's what it means. To abstain from wine, to keep sober, to be discreet, to be sober, to watch. He said this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. But let us watch and be sober. If I'm, I'm talking to Christians here, okay, this is your calling. We're sitting there talking about how far can I go? How far can I go? You're on the wrong path. It's not about how far you can go. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. You know what that is in, in the darkness? They're taken over. But let us... It's us who are of the day, he says it again, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Where are you at? Because I can tell you this, we've been called to be light. We've been called to be different. I want to be different. I don't want to be on the wrong path. I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to lead people astray. I want to be in control of my mind. I want to be in control of my body. I want to lead people down paths of righteousness. I, I don't want to be a, a headline. And Satan's just tearing people apart and, and, and families apart and, and, and churches apart. Because we've been hoodwinked by the devil. We've been baited and switched with something that has just crept into our homes and literally is taking over. So guys, I know not everybody agrees with everything that I said. But I sure hope that it's made you think that this whole slippery slope and confusion and walking, not knowing and everything cannot come from God.